Hi comrades, it's Joe Assart here from International Marxist Radio. I just wanted to give a quick introduction to this episode, which was originally recorded with Alex, one of our leading German comrades in the IMT, a few weeks ago. And in the last few days, the situation for the German class struggle has undergone some pretty major developments. On Monday, the 27th of March, a mega strike was launched by workers represented by Verdi and EVG, which are two of the biggest trade unions in the country. They represent around about 2 million workers collectively, and they brought transport across the country pretty much to a halt. You had strikes at airports, seaports, railways, bus lines, metro lines, and Alex and I try to give a bit of a broader view to the situation in Germany, the deep crisis of German capitalism, the pressure of the cost of living crisis, how the war in Ukraine has been a compounding factor in pushing up inflation, particularly in Germany, attempts by the bosses and bourgeois politicians to force the burden of the crisis onto the shoulders of the working class. Even as we were recording the episode, there had been an uptick in trade union struggle by public sector workers in particular, and you can hear Alex talking about that. And these were the initial tremors to what is now turning out to be quite a serious escalation. And as we've seen in a number of different countries, it's the pressure of the cost of living crisis, skyrocketing inflation, which is now around about 8.7% in Germany, eating into workers' wages that's forcing workers who might previously have been inactive to fight just to stand still to maintain the conditions that they've won in the past. As Alex explained, there's been a big increase in union membership in Germany. Verdi, for example, has added around about 63,000 new members since the beginning of the year. And this is really part of the same story that we're seeing throughout the world, with the working class under severe attack, given the state of the capitalist crisis, is having to turn to the mass organisations, to the unions, as an instrument of struggle to defend its way of life. Obviously, our German organisation, Defunca, will continue to provide coverage of this renewal of the German class struggle as events develop. And we will translate and republish these reports and this analysis on our international website in English, Marxist.com. This 24-hour so-called mega strike represents the German working class beginning to flex its muscles, beginning to rediscover traditions of class struggle. Far from being a pillar of stability, an ocean of calm, if you like, at the heart of Europe. Germany, which of course is the economic and political powerhouse of Europe, is now becoming a source of great instability. The German working class is rousing itself from its slumber and it's beginning to fight back. And of course, this will have an outsized impact on the class struggle throughout the whole of Europe because of the importance of Germany to the European economy and political situation. So I just wanted to comment on the fact that events have somewhat developed since this was initially recorded, although in a way which I think only confirms the general prognosis that Alex draws out, which only goes to show the power of foresight over astonishment granted by Marxist theory and analysis. But that's quite enough from me for now, so I'm going to go back in time to a couple of weeks ago when Alex and I sat down and had a chat about what's going on in Germany. I'll link some articles from our German comrade about what's going on today in the episode description so you can catch yourselves up. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Welcome to International Marxist Radio. The official podcast of the International Marxist Tendency, Marxist.com. Join us every single week for Marxist news, theory, and analysis. Hello and welcome to International Marxist Radio. Today we're joined by Alex Kalebekov from our German section. Alex, how are you doing? Hi, I'm fine. Um, 
thank you for giving me this opportunity to discuss um, with you today here. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Uh, obviously, it's been a tumultuous period for the European class struggle. Um, Europe has been hit very hard by the multiple crises that have beset world capitalism in the last period. So to hear straight from the horse's mouth, as it were, is um, very exciting for us here on the show. Yes, great. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to discuss the crisis of German capitalism and also its implications then on um, yeah, capitalism and uh, the crisis in Europe and everywhere else. All right, well, let's hop straight into it then. What is the situation in Germany today? I mean, obviously, Germany is the beating heart of European capitalism. It's the most important economy. It's the major political center, despite what the French ruling class might occasionally like to claim. Um, and up until now, it's been considered a source of general stability in Europe and indeed in the world. But all of that has gone into reverse very quickly in the last couple of years. It reminds me a little bit of um, the massive descent into chaos and crisis that the British ruling class experienced in the last 10 years. So can you just set the stage for us a little bit? What's the situation like in Germany today? And what are the implications for the rest of Europe? Yes, um, I want to start with an event in October, 28th of October, when the German president and the member of the Social Democratic Party, Frank-Walter Steinmeier, um, he addressed um, an very in distinguished guests uh, in an audience um, in his official residence. And this was the State of the Nation address, where he noted that the world was heading into a period of confrontation and, and, the, and that the struggle for um, dominance was coming to the fore. So and he warned he warned um, the audience that harder years, rough years are coming. Um, and in order to hold um, Germany to hold its own in this world situation, he explained we need um, the will to assert ourselves, to show the strength for self-sacrifice, and first and foremost, a strong and well-equipped Bundeswehr, so the German armed forces. Um, and earlier. The last year, when Russia launched the invasion of Ukraine in February, the German Chancellor Olaf Scholz, also from the Social Democratic Party, announced that it demanded a Zeitenwende, that means a turning point in Germany's approach to foreign politics, uh, including significant increases in military spending. Um, the, the use of the word has become one of the main themes. It's repeated day in and day out um, by the ruling class, the media, and it is related to everything, not only to foreign policy or military spending. So, so it's also referred to what's the crumbling infrastructure, the lack of workforce in all sectors, um, the, um, when it comes to productivity and competitiveness of German capital, to subsidies for the economy, for the transformation of the production process towards climate neutral and production and so on. So they use it really in on everything because the crisis affects um, all layers of the economy and also of the political and social system. So the, really the crisis in Germany is so deep that it allows no way out on the basis of capitalism. So the, the German capitalist crisis is part of the organic crisis of the whole system um, of, on a world scale. And so just to have a look on the internal situation in Germany on in economic terms, the, the German working class had to face decades of austerity and um, policies of privatization by the government. And this has run down the infrastructure, the state services, we have worn down bridges, um, defect um, railway lines, bankruptcies of hospitals, um, and above all, um, at the mentioned, um, yeah, glaring shortage of labor in, in all sectors, daycare, schools, nursing homes, hospitals, but also in the, all the other economic sectors as transport industry. Um, and I think this is a warning signal that German capitalism is really ill in a deep crisis. Um, and the capitalist class and the state, um, they are destroying the economic substance and thereby undermining the foundations of um, social progress for that um, the 
working class in Germany um, has won by fighting. Um, so now they this is going to be destroyed. Um, so and in this crisis that the workers are facing, this this comes on top of the counter reforms that were introduced in the beginning of the 2000s by the social democratic government and were um, overseen by by the Merkel government. Um, and now, so just to compare, so now the capitalists make eye-watering profits. Last year, in the midst of the crisis, the 40 German stock uh, index companies made 148 billion euros in profits, and they will pay about 55 billion in dividends. But the ruling class um, only invests a small part of these profits into new social wealth. So since the 2000s, um, they never invested more than a fifth of the net profits into new production facilities each year. And, and most of it, they hoard, it is, is hoarded by capitalists. They fed it uh, into its, their obscene personal consumption or into speculation. So according to Oxfam, the richest 10% of German population owns 67.3% um, of the wealth, with the richest 1% owning about 35%, and the poorer half of the population has only 1.3% of the total wealth. In 2019, this means for, before the pandemic and the big crash that appeared, um, in, especially in the productive sector, 17% of the households were considered poor or very poor. So the class polarization in Germany is very deep. Mm. And now, so when we look at the crisis, how it, as it unfolded during the last years, um, the industry is the, important, is the most important base of German capitalism. And since 2019, the sector is in crisis. There was already um, a decline in industrial production. But with the pandemic, um, in the beginning of, the, of 2020 came a deep slump and the recovery was shallow and never reached the pre-pandemic level. Um, and the war in Ukraine and the trade war by the EU with Russia made the recovery impossible. Actually, <laughs> um, the industrial output is at the level of 2012 and two, or 2013. So it is a big setback. And it, the most affected industries are the energy intensive industries, but it affects all the production sector. And this crisis is not over because Germany is already last, um, the last um, quarter of 2022, um, the German economy uh, economic output contracted slightly by 0.2 percent, and for this for this for the first um, for the first quarter of this year, there should they, there is another um, contract contraction expected. So, um, what was interesting, um, I, I read the Financial Times a few days ago and. Um, there, an economist at Capital Economics said that this um, drop um, was cold water on the recent optimism about the prospect for the Eurozone and suggests that the technical recession in both Germany and the Eurozone as a whole is more likely than after all. So the perspective for the, alone for, for, for the economy is stagnant, stagnation for several years and inflation. So, and the ruling class cannot do anything about it to really, um, or they cannot be sure that they can catch up with it and, and put down inflation. So, um, I think the, the crisis of, so of German capitalism has deep in, um, also means a deep economic crisis for, for the EU, uh, for the EU members, um, because, Alone, when we look at the, the energy uh, prices, um, they are not only high for Germany, but for, for the whole um, of Europe. And for example, Bloomberg, um, they had, um, they say that an additional budgetary cost for, uh, for subsidies and inflation compensation for energy costs alone in Europe, um, is at 1,000 billion euros per year. So, and this cannot be um, afforded by all the all the European economies. And so they fear the industrialization in Europe. Um, 
and especially when it comes also to this um, Inflation Reduction Act from the USA. So they um, they see this protectionist measures and they want to answer it with their own protectionist measures. What we see is that on the EU level, the, the interests of the different um, ruling classes, there, there are big differences in their interests and they cannot find a common um, way. For example, when it comes to the question of subsidizing the economies, um, Germany is go has, has um, this Germany first attitude, German money for German industry um, or the German economy. When they put up, for example, this 200 billion euro um, special funds to um, to subsidize uh, the the economy and compensate the companies for for the inflation and higher prices this was immediately um the reaction the reaction from from other european um governments and and so was very um was angry because because they see that they cannot um put as much money as germany um, into their economies, or at least they don't want to. And so they ask for common debts in the EU, what, what on the other side, Germany does not want. They don't want common debts. They say, yeah, and everybody has to face, um, face the, the hardship on their own. Um, and at the same time, when we look back at 2008, Germany was exporting its crisis was or was exporting itself out from the crisis and they will try to do this again but this was then done on the expense of all its european partners um when the trade deficit with the eu countries was big and it is still very high and if they go down this road this will mean this will mean that the political stability in all of europe will um will be uh, and the social stability in all of europe will be um, put under pressure, and we see this already with mass movements in France, um, in Greece, in Spain, and this is prepared also in Germany at at, at a certain point. So um, the German government, which is formed by the Social Democrats, the Greens, and the Liberals, when they come and came into government, they had they made many promises about a brighter future. Um, but they have not implemented even one of these promises that could affect the, the better living standard um, of for the working class. In reality, they just cutting on and on and um, pushing for new attacks on the on the working class and only subsidizing the profits of the um, of the ruling class of the companies of the capitalist class and. Um, and this is seen by ever more um, yeah, workers. Thanks, Alex. I think it's very useful to remind listeners that the crisis that Germany and the whole of the European Union are facing now are not just the product of the war in Ukraine, nor even the pandemic. This was a process that had long been underway. However, I think it's correct to say that Germany was hit particularly badly by the war because of its previous reliance on Russian energy. Although, and, it, and it's particularly hypocritical as well that you know Germany, this bastion of liberal democracy, based its economy, based a big part of its industry, and propped that liberal democracy on cheap gas coming from a very illiberal regime with whom now um, Europe and America are indirectly at war. But anyway... Um, the the loss of access to to Russian gas obviously exacted a big toll on Germany. Um, it's massively exacerbated the economic and social crisis. It had big implications in the run up to last winter. Um, how has the war affected the existing crisis of German capitalism? Well, it is true. Um, Germany went into close relations with, with Moscow um, because. Um, of this cheap energy, and they used it also to be, to get a um, relative independence from the USA. So, um, so that they um, and also with this um, cheap supply of energy, they could become the fourth 
largest economy and a, yeah an, an industrial or trade superpower world power um but um but now um what we see is um the, that the production especially manufacturing and the energy intensive um production is um declining sharply declining and this, it, all the companies in a, are in a big crisis um and they search for alternative cheap energy but they cannot find it i mean they try to get and and this is also very hypocritical and they try to get energy from um, kazakhstan even from iraq there were discussions of becoming getting energy from iraq also ni from... nice liberal democratic regimes <laughs> yes sure as, as, as the same as saudi arabia or qatar um so um and on the other side um there is this discussion of um transforming the the industry towards green production yeah this, um cl climate neutral production but in reality this is um a big subsidy of profits for these companies they discuss different strategies how how to do it but um all in all it goes into um pouring more money towards the companies and when we look um germany has um increased the its debts by 800 50 billion euros only in the last three years so um and now they want to um subsidize especially the industry and and at the same time they want they have this 100 euros special billion euros special fund for the military increase the military budget and all and all those things um this means um the debts uh, of Germany will rise. Then they will they will rise extremely, and at at a time when interest rates are rising too. So, for example, for th this year's budget, um, the I think it is um, the repayment of um, debts or the um, the um, the interest for debts is about at the fourth or. I think fourth or third place in the budget. So they pay a lot um, back um, uh, for the interest and all the other um, necessary investments, higher wages for um, for public sector workers, higher wages for um, for the hospital workers, and and so on. Better infrastructure, better communication and education. There, there is no increase in the budget so this means um this um the crisis of, of um in the education system in the um in the hospital system and uh, in the yeah in the medical system and so on there will be um it will be um increased because they won't do anything about it um and just keep it at the level as it is and at the same time what what we can see now they're starting layoffs um, layoffs in in the chemistry industry. Um, Mercedes is um, has made huge profits at, at the same um, at the same time they asked for the government to pay for short labor because um, of shortages and um, supplement of um, of parts components for for the for cars um, and. We have we had this over the whole three years that um, that workers were put on short labor so that the workers paid their um, subsidized a part of their wages by um, unemployment insurance. Um, so um, we see so we see as a, a wave of um, layoffs and even there will be closures um of companies um so there is a fight back in certain layers but it, in in of the in by the in the working class but they um it's not like a common struggle there's isolated struggles this is one side and on the other side um 
there are frictions in the government. For example, um, now they are fighting over the next budget and um, and they they are cutting and on for example money for for children um, for yeah childcare uh, for, um, and and other things. So um, in reality, what we are seeing is the um, that the ruling class and the state are starting um, or are beginning to organize an offensive against the working class. Um, there is discussion of um, increasing retirement age. Um, already, um, for example, there's discussion for teachers who are already in um, pension to come back and work because there's a shortage of, of teachers um, in, the, in the schools. Um, so this is also a way to, um, to hire the retirement age just um, when you're on, on pension, just come back and work um, because there are not enough teachers. And this will be done also in other sectors at some point. Um, and yes, so for example, um, the also the um, president of the um, of the bosses organization was saying, so yeah, we we need um, um, the higher uh, morale for to to be to work, go to work, work longer, um, not asking for uh, going working full time and not um, because especially in the youth there is discussion about um, shortaging shortening the the work day and the working week. Um, and he was now no, this this is not. He was saying that this is not um, something that that is can be done instead um yeah you should work longer so um there is um yeah a lot of discussion of how the working class should be attacked now and and it is clear that austerity um will be um on the table back again thanks alex um another part of the turning point that you mentioned is this rebuilding of the Bundeswehr and increased military spending. I wondered if you could talk about that. And also, I note that throughout the Ukraine war, the German ruling class has been more cautious than definitely my own ruling class here in Britain, um, but even most of the rest of the European ruling class. It's been the probably the most reticent to give Ukraine arms and um and materiel to um, fight russia um it seems to be one of the most concerned about the risk of escalation but olaf schultz of course had his arm twisted recently to give up leopard tanks and let other countries send leopard tanks to ukraine um what is the thinking of the German ruling class in terms of their defense policy, in terms of their involvement in Ukraine, in terms of their commitment to NATO? I note that the defense secretary was recently sacked. I wondered if you could comment on any of these questions. The war was went against the interest of the ruling class um, because it was clear that if this war, if this war escalates, then um, yeah, the cheap energy from russia will be um cut and uh, or yeah so and this will bring the um german industry competitivity and so and this means german imperialism into a big crisis um so i so i mean it is interesting that An angela merkel was uh, um interviewed i think by the zeit where she said that well, this Minsk agreements that they had before the war with um, were to give um, Ukraine time to to rearm and reorganize the military forces. I think because the German ruling class, I think the general um, motive behind this was well, if. If Ukraine is strong, uh, equipped by NATO with uh, and trained by NATO, um, then this will be a st stalemate, and there will be no war. But and so 
I think this was maybe their general attitude, but um, so they didn't want this war to escalate or the conflict to escalate into such a war. Um, and that's why they were reluctant, full out support for Ukraine. Um, and I think what they tried was to uh, um, to get Russia and Ukraine at one table and to have like a diplomatic um, discussion and then find like uh, find a um, a way to to stop the war. But the war escalated for and yes, it's true because the U.S. Especially wanted to, especially the U.S. ruling class wanted to to weaken the Russian ruling class, and I think the British uh, ruling class was also very into this. Um, yes, Boris Johnson while, skipped uh, down to uh, the negotiations <laughs> to put the boot in. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I think. Well, I think so. The German ruling class wanted to use Russia to be able to maneuver between USA between the USA and between Russia and to be able to ex to export and to get super profits from from this um and i think what is interesting until the summer um they were very very cautious and then with um month after month they they started to send more and um heavier weapons i think because <laughs> at that point it was I think this is when the, the Nord Stream pipelines were already bombed and destroyed, um, and um, and Russia was retaliating um, with um, the closure of um, of sending gas and uh, especially gas to to Germany. Um, so they saw that well, maybe we. We sent a bit more weapons so that um, Ukraine is a bit stronger and they will have a, maybe a better bargaining position when when um, diplomacy will be again and on the forefront. Um, and and then also to be able to um, to negotiate also so for for German for the German ruling class to sit at the negotiation table and also to win something out of it maybe um the, the the other point with the new military policy that they are approaching um military spending was increasing over the last years before the war already um because yeah the the bundeswehr is in a is in a, in a bad state um especially when it comes from the point of view of the ruling class because i mean they have economic and to a certain extent huge um, also political and diplomatic power but it needs to be backed by something especially when um the crisis is unfolding so they want to they they understand that they need also some military might um i think also to um con have more control over europe um what we see now is um there is this crisis and the splits between um yeah the polish the baltic governments and the german government um because they they rely more on nato and the us and i think the german ruling class tries um well what their strategy is we, they build up a more mighty military apparatus and so they can compete with us with the usa in in the um, in the question of who controls Eastern Europe militarily, because economically it's clear that it's, it's, it's Germany who is, which is profiting from um, from exploiting the workers in the in Eastern Europe, especially. Um, um, and but the the governments are but they are split with but between um, yeah these governments, and so so they want um, to have a stronger leverage on putting or on pressure. Putting pressure on on the Eastern European governments and getting them into in line with the interests of the German ruling class. Um, but <laughs> so to reform the military forces, it's not just to so they it's not just that they want to invest into new weapons and more weapons, but they also want to reform them. As what I read in the past 
weeks and months is that they want to re it seems that they want to rebuild the um, Bundeswehr into a force that can um, fight conventional wars like the one that is fought now in Ukraine and also um, build up other um, so so uh, to rebuild this, this, the command structure to get more soldiers in um, um, into the Bundeswehr so um, the defense minister, um, the last one, um, the um, Christ Christine Lambrecht, who was, uh, yeah, which the government got rid of, is I think the main problem with her was that um, she did not do anything about to change the structures of the Bundeswehr and to get and to invest into new weapons and so on, um, and. And then there was a um, a scandal with some um, tanks were with some tanks that were um, um, re-equipped by the by by the German industry, and they all fell out <laughs> in this maneuver. And then um, Lambrecht was um, putting all the all the blame on the industry. And the industry blamed them. Um, the the industry blamed the ministry, <laughs> and I think um, in the end, the government Scholz uh, and I think the, yeah was like, well, look, you're destroying the reputation of our industry, of our military, and of the ministries. He was considered a liability, basically. Yes. So and now they got somebody else. It's Boris Pistorius, um, who is who seems to be more dedicated to to um towards um yeah going into this rearmament and and changes in in the in the military structure uh, he was one of the first in the social democracy who stated clearly that ukraine um has to win the war um so i think also the ruling so the um the pressure of of especially the liberal wing um the greens um was yeah um has materialized with him becoming minister because he he approaches it with in a bolder way and and um yeah and, and it's interesting with the greens because obviously they present themselves as this liberal eco-friendly party but they seem to be the biggest hawks when it comes to ukraine they're the biggest hawks when it comes to china they're the wing of the government that is looking most closely towards american imperialism they're basically serving as the the hard hand of western imperialism pushing the german government towards the interests of the us as far as i can see yes it's true <laughs> they um they're really the um the loudest of all in insisting on strengthening the transatlantic relations, even great involvement in the Ukraine war with money and arms deliveries and sanctions. Yes, um, so um, we can see splits um, in the ruling class and in the establishment. So, um, and there is a this they they are there is a like a, a fighting for a new strategy. On how to um, how German capitalism should um, position itself in this in the new um, yeah in this conflict, but also in the uh, in the development of the relations between China and USA, um, and they and there are different strategies, and one of this is especially forced um, forced by by the by the Greens and by the Liberal Party is to go far more towards the US and to rely heavily on the US um, and even to decouple from China. Um, but this is going directly against the interest, especially of the big um, industrial companies in Germany, um, which were, which have close ties and and, re, and relation and trade relations with China. They have invested massively in China and they are Increasing their investments um, into China, building new factories, but at the same time also um, in the U.S. US. 
So we can see like the, how the Social Democratic Party is trying to keep um, the position of Germany to balance between the the other force, imperial power, imperialist powers, um, to to keep their more independent position. Um, this was shown by, for example, Scholz was uh, visiting um, China with a delegation of um, from the big German companies, um, industrial companies like Volkswagen, BASF, and so on. And that was very um, controversial, wasn't it, that visit? He got he got a lot of uh, flack from the Greens in particular and the liberal press for uh, going to China. Yes, yes, he had. And, and then he had to... Um, he was even writing um, um, long articles for for the more conservative press um, um, and saying why he went there and why why this is necessary. And even I remember those. He was saying, "Okay, guys, don't worry. I've got this. Just trust me. I've got a plan. I know what I'm doing." Yes, and and then all the bosses which went with who went with with him to China, they also wrote uh, some days later the same thing and and were were backing him. So we can see like um, that what the SPD is really more so though uh, it's traditionally from coming apart from the working class, um, but it has built through the through reformism and the social partnership they they built strong ties to different layers of the ruling class and they can they see so more the general interest and try to balance the different wings while the greens are really pushing towards a very specific policy of um of, which represents not all not the the den, general interests of the ruling class but it's yeah so we can see a fight and this is even and it is a, a public fight so um it in reality this is destabilizing the um the government further obviously it's incredibly disgusting not only this circus at the top of german capitalism amongst the german political leadership but also this push to rearm this push to invest in weapons at a time when people are suffering at a time when with the other hand the german ruling class are inflicting austerity and of course all wings of the german ruling class are in favor of this they might be split over the general strategy of how to deal with their relationship to the different imperialist powers but they all agree that they need to attack the german working class my first question in relation to that is has that affected the perspective or the opinions of the German masses towards the war? Um, because obviously at the beginning of the war, there was a huge push for European solidarity. There was this endless flood of propaganda coming out of all of the major press outlets. All the political leaders were saying, oh, Europe stands behind Ukraine. We're defending democracy and so on and so on. Um but in light of everything you've talked about, has public opinion started to shift? I know there was a big demonstration or a fairly large demonstration in Berlin quite recently. Um, yes, there are changes in public opinion, but still um, the majority is backing the the government and their approach. So, um, so most people clearly show that they want um, Germany to stay militarily stay out of this conflict so not getting militarily involved this is clear um but what we can see for example is that in the beginning um, of the war over 80 percent were like in favor of helping ukrainian um, refugees um taking them to germany and um sh shelter them and this was demagogically used by the ruling class yes, but because that, that that instinct by the working class is completely understandable and uh, something that we think is to their credit that they had solidarity with ordinary workers suffering in the heat of this miserable conflict Yes, sure, completely true. But um, it was, yeah, it was demagogically used by the ruling class to. They didn't, re, they um, men, they didn't help like the Ukrainian um, refugees so much. I mean, they got better. Um, they were better treated than refugees from Syria or so and yes. other countries. All, all the people, all the people that the European Union voted to allow to drown in the med. Yeah, yeah, but still. Um, it was the 
yeah, it was the 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 ordinary people just who had to sh shoulder um, this um, when they they opened their houses and 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 flats to to take up um, Ukrainian refugees. And this is yeah, this is a great sign of solidarity. But um, we can see that this mood changed. It's still a, a clear majority is in favor of this, but the the mood is changing. That's not so many anymore. Um, that's about seventy percent when it was by eighty percent. Um, we see that also um, now in facing the the um, economic crisis. Um, for example, in April um, two thousand twenty two, um, workers. Uh, or the majority, um, a clear majority, over 50% were saying, yes, we need to um, financially support Ukraine. But now it's less than 50% who say this. Um, mm, it's less than 50% who say that Germany um, should send weapons and others, um, other military equipment to um, to Ukraine. Mm. And yeah, even forty percent or more than forty percent say that this the problems of Ukraine are um, are not our problems, and we don't need to mess with them. Um, so um, there are there are changes, but still the, the, they're not so big. And I support a criticism of the of the um, war. Um, it's still it's both mostly passive. So those who are against the war are mostly passive. And what we see, um, and this has some reason, as as, as we discussed before, um, um, the the bourgeois press was completely um, belligerent, um, was completely pro um, pro Ukraine and NATO, and yes, so they they lined up behind um, like this is a war between um, democracy and autocracy, and we have so this is a war for our freedom and our rights and so on. So very very um, um, hypocritical, um, but this had some impact because there was no um, voice. Um, that was against the war on a working class position. Even the left party was was split on this question, completely split, and it is until now more split on the question of um, how to approach this war. And those um, um, leading fig figures are mainly supporting um, the not the Ukrainian. Workers and people, so the ordinary people, but the 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 um, the government and the and the NATO. Um, so there is no leadership from from this party as well. The trade unions too; they didn't um, take a, an anti-war position. They say we support the Ukraine government, and um, so there was. It was not so easy for for a anti-war movement to form. Um, because there was no um, focal point where it could galvanize. Um, the only party in parliament that is against sanctions, against weapons deliveries, and for a diplomatic solution um, of, well, I mean, the left party also says we need a diplomatic solution, but but the only party which really criticizes the, the sanctions and, and the weapon and the deliveries of wep delivery of weapons is the um, right-wing AFD, the alternative um, for Germany. Um, and this gives them some um, support now. Um, we had small demonstrations, in East, especially in Eastern Germany, over the last year. Um, and they were headed by by this party um those who were on this demonstrations they were not all right-wing or racist or whatever so but but the only party which were, was articulating an anti-war position was the, the were the right-wingers um and now um with the with the um with the anti-war demonstration that you mentioned um this was organized by the 
left party member Sarah Wagenknecht, but um, this was not supported by the left party, only by individual members or individual um, um, groups, um, local groups. Mm. And it was um, very online with, um, so it was more or less a liberal and reformist um, approach to this question of war. They said like, yes, we need a diplomatic solution. We don't need, we should not send weapons. But they say, the only thing that they say is that, um, well, the German ruling class and government should be a bit more cautious and they um, should try to find a diplomatic solution. So, um, but without a class position, they don't criticize the um, the German capital that is um, making huge profits from from the um, from the crisis. Um, that is sending weapons to to the to Ukraine. That is yeah profiteering from this war um, at, at at least in the moment. Um, and so they don't blame it as a um, imperialist war and only blame one side in this question. Like it's mostly blaming the United States and um, the whole press is really um, united against against such um, um, demonstrations. They they stand they 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 um, were criticizing it for Zagwanknecht uh, for um yeah organizing these demonstrations they were saying that she's um siding with the right wing um and trying to um yeah to 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 get the movement together with them not uh, not being um clear um on on the question of um um yeah criticizing um right-wing groups that um, are also using such demonstrations but this is hypocritical but because at the same time they support the uh the ukraine military with right-wing groups incorporated into the military um support uh, give them weapons and also to not only to fight this war but also to terrorize the the, the ukrainian workers so it's um yeah this is so we have so because of this framing of well this is a this demonstrations are mostly right-wing demonstrations they're confused and conspiracy theorists on this demonstrations um um a lot the, the majority is very cautious in supporting such um the, the anti-war movement and and the and Saravanknecht doesn't offer um um for these people um a solution because it's the, the way she presents the question is not uh, on class basis, but she only says, well, the war is bad for German industry and we need to save the German industry and the German and the work and the jobs. So um, basically proposing the yeah. war in order to protect the interests of German capitalism. Yes, in effect. exactly. Yes. Yeah. So obviously we've spoken about a lot of the negative effects of the economic and political crisis in Germany. But we should say, dialectically, there is no action without reaction. And the industrial front has seen something of a revival. And this is a phenomenon we've seen in a few countries, including including my own, uh, where the pressure of the capitalist crisis has forced the working class and new layers of the working class to move into struggle in order to defend their interests. You know, when you're having your wages eaten up by inflation, when you're facing austerity and cuts, you turn to the mass organizations, you turn to the unions as the elementary instruments of struggle to defend yourself. And that's also happening in Germany. I'm reading about um, strikes by public sector workers, about a warning strike, so-called, in relation to attempted cuts to pay. Um, I think airport workers have been on strike, bin workers I've read about, uh, municipal workers, cleaners, medics as well. Um, perhaps you could shed a bit of light on the state of the trade union struggle in Germany at the moment. Um, yes, sure. Yeah, it, there there is like a certain revival. It's true, um, and this comes 
also also from the inflation, especially from inflation, because when we look um, in February this year, um, food prices rose at an above average um, rate of um, plus twenty one or plus twenty about plus twenty two percent compared to um, the same month in the last year. Energy prices rose by nineteen point one percent. So all workers are affected by inflation and not only the workers, it's also the youth, the pensioners and so on. Everybody's, uh, so all, all uh, the whole working class is um, affected. And already during the last year, um, what we saw is that the trade unions, um, the trade union bosses had to um, come up with higher demands. They, um, it was always, um, their demands were always about the inflation um, rate at at a certain point. They just took it and then demanded a um, a wage increase for one year at at the height of the um, inflation at a, at a certain point when when the collective bargaining started. Um, last year in in the um, manufacturing, uh, indus- in the industrial workers were um, on strike, but. And and they were they were um, they were militant um, warning strikes. Yes, um, even discussion of twenty four hour strikes in industry. But unfortunately, um, though one about one million workers were on strike, um, the trade union yes agreed on yeah on, on a bad um, compromise with the bosses to. Um, to pu- push down the struggle. And this year, in the beginning of this year, the collective bargaining in the public sector started. Um, and in the run-up, there were, was already discussion about that this struggle will be a hard struggle and that um, the in, within the trade union, um, th- there was discussion about, well, it could be that... Um, the bosses will will not um, offer nothing substantial, so um, it could be possible that they have to go on indefinite strikes. Um, and today, the postal workers voted um, to go on uh, to to um, reject the company's collective bargaining offer, and also to go on to into indefinite strike, and. Um, the union members, um, it, it were 80, 86% which um, um, polled to, to strive, to go on indefinite strike in, in the postal workers. And, um, and in the other, uh, so the other um, collective bargaining in the public sector, the, the union um, demands 10.5% wage increase for one year, but the bosses offer only a very low wage increase. And so, um, yes, there were different strikes. For example, on Women's Day, um, the, um, the so- social workers and childcare workers were on strike. Um, and... Also, the day before, there were um, from other sectors strikes, and now um, we know that in the end of um, in the end of March, there will be a big infrastructure strike because also um, now um, the collective bargaining in the Deutsche Bahn, so the um, the big um, um, public transport company has started, and they will strike together with with the public sector workers um, in the end of this month. So, where there are there is a modest approach towards uniting some struggles, um, and and not only that, we see also um, in certain areas, like for example um, in when 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 there are layoffs or closures of factories um that and that the workers struggle and and they push really the 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 
trade union to take up the struggle and to organize it and they strike for example to keep up the companies um so to to get to keep their jobs and not to close down this is um um in most cases it's still not um um successful but it shows that there is something changing um there's a growing understanding in that um there is the necessity to fight back and to um collectively fight back for example alone during the last two months um the the public sector and services union um which is now uh, organizing the strikes grew by 45000 new members and this is the largest increase in membership since um verdi the trade union was um set up in 2001 and many of them are very young workers um so they are on the first time on strikes and they start to understand so there's a move, change in the in the um in consciousness where different sectors from the working class start to 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 move and to understand that they have to organize collectively and to fight back against the cuts against austerity and against um um falling wages um to and to compensate with inflation um so the trade unions are under pressure to 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 organize the struggles but still the problem is that these unions have a policy of social partnership and in the end more all those struggles are ending in in a bad compromise at the moment um but i think what will be interesting is when when how how for example now the 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 trade union uh, verdi will um um act uh, or yeah in in this um postal worker strike when they voted i mean about nearly 90% vote to for indefinite strike action so they they need to organize something um and it's not so easy to come out um of such a struggle with um with a very bad compromise of the bosses so they have to deliver something and workers want to struggle we had also a very interesting experience in um in hamburg where um the biggest transport company um were or were at the biggest transport company there were also collective bargaining starting in this year in january and in the run up there was also um a discussion in the workforce um the workers discussed like the trade union was putting forward yes the demand for 10.5 percent wage increase but the especially the bus drivers were saying no this is this is not enough we want more we want a much higher wage increase um about if i remember right 600 euros um per month um and and the trade union had to take up this demand and there was um a strong mood for strikes um and um, and the membership in the union increased as in in this um in this company from it went up to 60% of the workforce being um organized in the union um and still so the pressure was high and they had to take up the demand but and still um in the end they had they compromised and um the struggle was unfortunately um derailed and now um th there is anger um in the um within the within the trade uh, within the bus drivers and i think they will learn a lesson and this is interesting because we now the situation is so that the crisis will not stop it will be a prolonged crisis and so workers will have to struggle um to to keep up with their the living standard and with the rights they have achieved and so on so this means um they will be constantly different layers of the work class will be pushed into struggle and they will start to learn from um from their defeats and also from from the victories and looking at the this the struggles in different sectors and i think this is a very good um, situation because it will change 
uh, it will bring up a Zeitenwende, I would say, not only <laughs> when it comes as a, the crisis of German capitalism, but also in the consciousness of of the masses, and it will bring back um, class struggle mm. to Germany. And of course, the development of consciousness seldom occurs in a straight line. I feel like what we're witnessing, to borrow a phrase from Trotsky, is the molecular process of the German Revolution in its early, early stages. This is the beginning of the beginning of the beginning of the revival of the German class struggle. And of course, that's going to have an outsized impact on the class struggle throughout the whole of Europe. All right, Alex. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I think this was a great discussion. Yes, thank you for inviting me. And yeah, hope we'll speak soon again. That was International Marxist Radio. Thanks for joining us. Tune in again, same time next week, for more Marxist news, theory, and analysis. And if you've been inspired by what you've heard today, get in touch via our website, marxist.com, and find out more about how you can join the international Marxist tendency and fight for revolution where you are.